If you're like, my business is a hammer and I'm going to fix everybody's problems with a hammer. If somebody's problem is that they have a broken iPhone screen, a hammer is not going to be very valuable for that. You're listening to Build a Better Wellness Biz. I'm your host, Jeremy Enns. In this episode, I'm talking with Laura Schoenfeld. I am a registered dietitian trained in functional medicine, interested in women's health and hormones, and I am this year really shifting my business to supporting other nutrition and health entrepreneurs in growing their own online business. I love helping other people with their health. I love educating and getting information out there and having conversations about health topics that don't really get talked about in the mainstream. And this year, just being able to work with more entrepreneurs that are building a health business has been so awesome because I can see the ripple effect it's going to have as they start to share those conversations as well. Laura and I cover a lot of ground in this episode, but a lot of it comes back to building a business that's in alignment with you, your values, and your beliefs. If you feel very strongly that there's an element of who you are, what your core values are, what your beliefs are that actually makes a big difference in the way that you can serve your clients. It's something that you should be talking about, even if it's going to turn some people off because you're actually not going to be as effective in the work that you do. And you're not going to attract the kind of audience that will want to work with you no matter what you're offering, which is the kind of audience I love having. We also talk about why we should be focusing on the outcome we deliver rather than the tool we use to get it. That was something that I had to really let go of in my business because it wasn't working for everybody and it wasn't the right answer for everybody. And rather than saying my business is based on this tool and I can help everybody with this tool, I've really shifted more into a mindset of my business is based on what's the results that I get for people. And I have a whole tool belt of things that could help get that result for somebody. And how, in many ways, a successful business is a lot like a successful marriage. When you want to have a successful business, you really do need to be married to what you're doing. Now, that doesn't mean you can't pivot and shift. Like, you can change your business, but you also need to go into it with the belief that, like, I am committed to this, right? Things get tough. Same thing with marriage. Things get hard. Like, I, my husband's awesome, and I knew within our fourth phone call that I was going to get married to him. Because like you said, I had that like, oh my gosh, this is what it's supposed to feel like. And for me, it was, this is supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to feel like I have to be someone else for this to work. And that's how I felt with my husband. And that's how I feel with this business that I'm running now. It's like, oh, this is actually really easy now for me. And now I feel like it's just natural for stuff to come out and I don't have to force it. And I have a ton of knowledge and experience that I can share with people that really is very practically applicable to solving that problem. Lastly, we talk in depth about a topic that I personally haven't heard nearly enough about in online business circles, which is when a launch that you've spent weeks or maybe even months prepping for falls flat. The world of entrepreneurship has fetishized failure into something to embrace. And while there's certainly some value in that mindset, what gets glossed over are all the negative emotions like shame, pain, and fear that can dominate your life after a big public failure. Laura and I have both had big misfires in our businesses, and I'm excited to share our experiences of failed launches with you in this episode. But to start our conversation off, I wanted to take Laura back to early in her career when she was working for one of the biggest names in the ancestral health movement, Chris Kresser, and ask her what she took away from that experience working with him. Well, it's funny you ask that because I worked for Chris for like probably seven or eight years total. And there was 
so much that changed in his business from like, I used to do almost, I don't say everything. He probably knows more about, I'm sure he knows more about what I was doing in relation to other people in his business, but I was probably one of his first hires and doing a lot of like the content marketing and, you know, writing the emails and stuff to get sent. And, you know, he was checking on everything, but making sure that it was being done well. But I learned so much about just the day-to-day operation of a business from working with him and helping him get his content out to the world. (laughs) And it's kind of a double-edged sword because on one hand, he's awesome. He's like, it's just insane how much stuff he understands and knows and can do and can, you know, all the different ways that he can run a business. It really is pretty incredible. So being able to watch and learn and help grow that as a team member, as someone who is helping to create content, helping to teach people from his adapt program and that kind of thing. It was really, really cool to be part of that. And the, the downside of working for him was that it set a pretty high bar as far as what I thought was necessary for success. And one of the challenges that came up from working with him was really trying to help everybody with everything. Cause that's what he does. Like his business really does run the gamut of like helping everyone with everything. And I do think he's niched more when it comes to the actual programs and services that he's offering but still like he has a, a practitioner training program he has a health coach program. He just is launching this like health membership now. And I'm like, this is not normal. So I love Chris and I think he's amazing. And I had to really, I had to like train myself to not try to be Chris Cresser when I was growing my business because it led to me not being as successful because I was trying to do too many things and being afraid to really hone in on one audience actually prevented me from having the level of success that I know I'm capable of. So that was something that, again, great mentor, awesome guy. And I had to make sure I wasn't just assuming that Chris Cresser level work was what was necessary for a successful business. Yeah. Was that a pretty difficult transition? Obviously, as a part of a team, there's other people taking care of different elements of the kind of entire process of running the business. And obviously he's setting the vision there and doing a lot of the high level stuff. So when you were stepping out on your own and starting your own business, was that kind of like a a hard adjustment to be like, okay, I I have to do everything myself, but I can't do everything myself, like as much or at the level that he's doing there or that you were doing as a team there? Well, I will say, I think I, I got a lot of skills that I brought into my business that gave me a leg up when it came to actually running the business. So even just like how to do email marketing, that kind of thing, like the real basic stuff that I spent years getting better at working with Chris, that was a really simple transition because I already knew, like I already knew how to write good copy. I already knew how to share good marketing materials. And he taught me a lot about writing better and about making things shorter and simpler and more to the point and all that. So there was a lot of mentoring that I got from him about that content development to be able to share a message more succinctly. So that was awesome. Like, I feel like I learned so much that most people have to pay to learn now. I got to learn by being his employee, which was really amazing. Now, I don't think it was harder to go on my own. And I I was still working with Chris up until really, I think like this year was when I kind of fully like got rid of any sort of part-time like contract type of positions and really went all in on my business. But I was working with him 
starting in 2012. So it was like two years of working with him before I started my own business. So most of the time I was working with him, I still had my own business that I was running. And a lot of what I started doing as I was running my own business, the level I was operating in, in his business was going higher and higher. So before it was like, again, like making sure his newsletter was going out on time, that kind of thing. Like right to the end, I was then teaching other practitioners how to be a better practitioner, teaching health coaches how to be a better health coach, teaching them how to understand all the high level stuff that he teaches and also creating some of the educational content. So there was a lot of skills I developed working for him that transitioned really smoothly into my business. The the weird challenge that I have, and this is gonna sound kind of stuck up, but I promise it's me just being super honest. One of the challenges that I have is I'm actually really good at a lot of stuff. Like I actually have a lot of skills that I don't like it's, it wasn't until this year where I started coaching a lot more people and growing their business that I realized like my ability to do certain things is not normal. And so I, I feel like my problem was not so much that I couldn't do it by myself. My problem was that I could do it by myself. I just had to work a ton and I had a a ceiling as far as my revenue was concerned pretty fast. So I got really fast business growth. I was already making six figures by my, I think like second year, I was already bringing in over six figures for revenue. And so I got up to like the two to 300 K range relatively quickly, but then kind of got stuck there because that's the place where for a lot of people, if you're not hiring help, you're really not actually going to go past that. There might be some like lunatics that can make a lot more than that by themselves, but most people can't. So my biggest challenge was actually allowing other people to help with certain things or hiring out or deciding to outsource certain tasks that I actually could do with relative skill. So um, I this is like total side note. I got this really amazing personality typing done by a guy named Alex Palos recently. He's like incredible. If anyone wants to check him out, he has a company called inner shift, I think. And he does this personality typing just based on seeing a photo of you, which is like freaking crazy. It was amazing. And he nailed it when he said, one of my biggest challenges in running a business is that I think most other people are actually incompetent, which I was like, Oh, that sounds really awful, but it's so true. Like I, I have a really hard time trusting that other people can do the job that I'm going to do. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners have felt that way too, whether it's doing client management or customer service, or maybe they're doing their social media and they have a very particular way of doing it. Or maybe they're doing a podcast and editing their own podcast. And they're like, I can do this. I'm going to do it myself. So I was editing my own, like we, I had a podcast with a gal named Kelsey Kinney for, we got up to over 200 episodes. I think it was over four years. I was doing all the editing until like two years in because I could, right? I could. So I did it. And it's amazing for me to look back at the amount of stuff I was doing in my business because I was able to and staying stuck, staying busy, staying tired all the time, feeling like I was just working all the time because I wasn't letting go of certain tasks. So I know that wasn't, your question was like, was it hard to transition? I actually feel like it handicapped me in the sense that I was doing so many things for Chris and there was an evolution. I wasn't doing it all at the same time, but there was an evolution of skills that I developed working for him that when I did start my own business, I really got them all into place relatively quickly, but then 
struggled when it came to actually giving that work to other people so that I could really focus on what my skill set was. So that's always been a challenge for me and I'm I'm getting better at it. I'm hiring more people, but it's it's like a constant struggle to like let other people do the work and not either like fix it or do it myself or just, you know, feel like nobody can do it as well as me, which again, I don't mean to sound super stuck up. It's just, I tend to have a high level of capability with a lot of different things. And it's kind of a blessing and a curse in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, I definitely have the same experience. I, uh, recently designed the website for this podcast and my girlfriend's web designer. And we were talking about how, how much my design skills had leveled up. And she looked at it and she's like, you know, honestly, I would think this was done by a professional web designer. And I was like, oh, well, that's, that's good to hear that a, a professional web designer told me that. And also it was kind of like, oh yeah, kind of like you said, it's almost this like unfair advantage sometimes when you're, you're talking with other people who are having some struggle in your business and you're like, well, yeah, I can do all my design. I can design websites. I have a podcast. I can do video editing. Like I am a good writer, like all these things. And so there's very little incentive to hand off any of that. And it's also sometimes hard to relate to people who have these struggles who like they can't design anything like, and you need to hire out all these things. And it's kind of like, oh, I kind of had a bit of a, an easier route getting here because I either had these skills or built up these skills earlier in my career or whatever that was. So I'm uh, very familiar <laughs> with, with that kind of Blessing and curse, I suppose, in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't prefer to not be competent at these things, but it's not like being great at a bunch of different things is the way to grow a really successful business. Like you can be successful and I guess it just depends on your definition of success. But I know for me, I hit the ceiling of, okay, now I need to be developing leadership skills rather than just like operational skills. Yeah. So I've heard you talk before about how in the wellness space, it can be very easy to get dogmatic about whatever your kind of specialty is. So you could be like, you know, everybody needs to be paleo or everybody should be plant-based or everybody should be doing like 43 minutes of kettlebell exercises every single day or, you know, whatever it is and say like, this is the exact way, this is the, the way to achieve optimal health for everyone. And I think that you've mentioned that this is kind of this approach and this mindset in the paleo world was something that kind of pushed you away from it when you kind of started broadening and, and being kind of more inclusive of like, maybe this isn't the best way for every single person. So I'm curious how you think now about finding that balance between like really believing in one thing and specializing in that. And maybe this is good for most people, but also still being able to look at like an individual client or patient and saying like, okay, well, actually this thing that I'm really, you know, believe is good for, for most people isn't for this person. Mm -hmm. So the image that came to my mind when you asked that question was a nail and a hammer. And I feel like when you focus on the hammer, then you're going to not be able to solve the problem for everybody. Right. So if like, this is coming from a place of, I was a paleo dietitian for a long time and I don't identify as paleo whatsoever anymore. So I still eat real food and everything, but I would not say what I eat is paleo. When you have a business and your business model is based on a diet philosophy, I feel like you're not going to be as successful as someone who focuses on like, what's the actual problem that you're solving? So if you're like, my business is a hammer and I'm going to fix everybody's problems with a hammer. If somebody's problem is that they have a broken iPhone screen, a hammer is not going to be very valuable for that, Right. Whereas if you say my business is all about getting nails to go into wood, yes, a hammer is probably a really great tool for that, but maybe there's another tool that could work really well too. And if the goal of your client is 
getting that nail into the wood. Yeah. You have some systems that are set up in place that work really well, but then if it's not working for that person, then you can kind of pivot and adjust and try some different tools, that kind of thing. So I feel like we get so caught up, especially in the wellness space, we get so caught up in like, what is the actual tool that I'm using? And like, what's the tool that I'm known for? And you know, what's my nutrition philosophy and all that stuff. And that was something that I had to really let go of in my business because it wasn't working for everybody and it wasn't the right answer for everybody. And rather than saying my business is based on this tool and I can help everybody with this tool, I've really shifted more into a mindset of my business is based on what's the results that I get for people. And I have a whole tool belt of things that could help get that result for somebody. So I know it's kind of like a weird metaphor, but that was the image that came to my mind when you were asking that question. And I feel like the wellness space has really evolved past the diet tribe mentality to more of the, like, I'm going to get really good at solving this problem for people. And I'm going to keep on top of like the research and the different solutions and the different products and all the things that can help a person solve this particular problem. And I feel like that gives you so much more room to grow and evolve and move with where science is going and move where technology is going on all of that versus saying, this is my solution. I do paleo or I do veganism or I do keto and I can fix every problem with this particular diet. So it's something that I definitely noticed. I was super dogmatic about paleo probably for like a few years. And then I had my own health challenges with it and realized like, this isn't, this isn't really working for me. And then a lot of my clients were coming to me with Um, like one of my original programs was called paleo rehab. So the idea was we were helping people on a paleo diet, fix some of the problems that are common on paleo. And so I've definitely been there before where my business was focused on a particular method, but I just feel like the future of health businesses is focusing on what's the problem that you solve and who you solve it for and not focusing on a particular methodology as being the solution. Yeah. So While you were kind of pulling back from paleo, I know that you were also kind of like making this other shift around your marketing and messaging in terms of like how you were positioning yourself and who you were kind of identifying as your ideal client. And so this for you had to do with your incorporating more of your religious beliefs into your actual marketing and like how you presented yourself to the world. So I'm curious, like, why was this the time? What were you going through at the time where you were like, "Ah, this isn't fitting anymore. My business isn't fitting me. Like something feels out of alignment. And like, how did you kind of walk through that process of, of shifting things to be more in alignment with where you were personally? I feel like for me, a lot of it was seeing the difference that the spiritual conversation was making in the clients I was working with that were open to that conversation compared to the clients I had that either did not have that same belief as me or we weren't having that conversation. So I've been a Christian since 2012. So really the entire time I've been running my business, I've been a Christian. It's become much more of a integral part of my life in the last five years or so. Again, seeing that I was reaching a certain point with clients talking about food and exercise and supplements and all of that. But so much of what a lot of my clients were dealing with was really mental, emotional, spiritual, like identity based. I actually just recorded a podcast with another person this morning talking about how somebody's identity actually plays so strongly into not only the behaviors that they engage in with their health, but also their ability to change when something isn't working for them anymore. So that concept of identity was something that kept coming up, 
not only in my health clients and the work I was doing there, but also just becoming an entrepreneur. So much of it is wrapped around like, who do you believe you are and how are your actions on a day-to-day basis reflecting who you believe yourself to be? So the concept of identity, I just felt like that had to be talked about. And in order to really fully share my perspective and share what was inside and share what I had to give to the world, I had to start talking about God. And I think there was a little, well, it was a pretty big hesitation from the beginning because I didn't know. I mean, you know what they say, like, don't talk about religion or politics. So like there was that risk of alienating people or making people angry or whatever. And so I think I kind of like tiptoed around it for a while. And then at some point I just decided I'm tired of not being able to express the full capacity of what I can do for somebody because I'm afraid to offend someone with my religious beliefs. So I just was like, you know what? I'm just going to start talking about it. And the people that are offended will go away, (laughs) hopefully. And then the people that are really interested in this stuff will be more attracted. So, and that's exactly what happened. I had a little bit of a transitional time where some people were super angry, got some really hateful emails about how they used to think I was intelligent and didn't anymore. And so, so again, it was like a little bit of a culling of the herd, I guess, um, with my audience. But ultimately, I think it really created a much stronger audience. And even now, as I've been transitioning into business coaching, not all my clients, I don't even, maybe half my clients are Christian. I'm trying to think, like, I know I have a lot of them because they found me through the message. But I just think that decision to stand in that in my business in the past, now the clients that I work with, even if they don't agree with my perspective or beliefs, they see that as being high integrity. And I feel like that level of integrity is now what attracts the right people into the work that I'm doing. So my thinking is, if you feel very strongly that there's an element of who you are, what your core values are, what your beliefs are, that actually makes a big difference in the way that you can serve your clients, it's something that you should be talking about, even if it's gonna turn some people off because you're actually not gonna be as effective in the work that you do and you're not gonna attract the kind of audience that will want to work with you no matter what you're offering, which is the kind of audience I love having. I've had, I have one client now who's done pretty much all my health programs and now she's doing my business coaching programs and it's awesome. So it's just the people that appreciate the way that you operate in the world will then become amazing, loyal customers. So it's scary for sure to take a stand on stuff that you know is polarizing and and can be considered controversial, but ultimately it ends up being really good for your business to be able to stand for what you believe in and not to like tell other people that they're wrong, but not to shrink away from what your beliefs are. Yeah. I guess my experience is with products and services and things like that, where it wasn't even about identity or anything like that, but I just like wasn't fully behind. I didn't fully believe necessarily. Like I thought it was good, but I didn't really like feel it in my core. Like this is the best solution I can create for this person. And those things never did well. And I feel like that's the same with when you are like trying to build a business that part of you, maybe a big part of you is like off to the side here and like not fully behind or not incorporated. And so this doesn't need to be about religion or politics or like anything like that integral to, you know, somebody's self-identity and being. But it's just like if part of you is over here and not incorporated into what you're doing, it's hard to get really excited about it. And you're just not going to see as good results and your attention's going to be kind of split. Whereas when you kind of pull that uh, everything into alignment, it's just easier to really give it your all. And people are going to see that and that energy. I feel like that's obvious with a lot of people when you see someone who's like really standing in their like power, I guess that just like resonates from them. 
Yeah. And like I said, I don't talk about faith or religion in the business coaching programs that I do, unless if I have a private client that wants to talk about it, or if I have a client that's asking about how their copy is working and they have a Christian audience, like that's not part of the business now, the way that it was last year. But I do think that people buy partially because they want to know that the person that they're working with is trustworthy and somebody that they like actually like, you know, like I hate to say it, but it will affect whether somebody wants to work with you if they feel like you're being genuine and authentic and that kind of thing versus if you're just kind of like cookie cutter saying what everybody's saying and not really taking a stand on stuff. So I don't necessarily think, I mean, people can be honest or authentic about whatever they want to be about. I don't think it necessarily has to be something that your ideal client also believes in. I really think that just standing in that level of self-integrity is really attractive to people. And you can still work with people that don't like, I I still have plenty of non-Christian clients. Like obviously if somebody's like a raging atheist and just like hates talking about God in general, or just like hates people that believe in God, it's probably not going to be a good fit. Um, But I didn't only work with Christian clients. It was just part of my messaging that was showing them like I have values and I have self-integrity to talk about those values. And I'm not afraid to share how I feel. Of course, in love, like I wasn't like, you know, beating people across the face with a Bible or something. It was just like, hey, this is what I believe and this is my philosophy and I hope it helps. Yeah. I love this example because obviously, as we have uh, become aware of through thousands of years, religion is clearly one of the most divisive and polarizing uh, topics <laughs> yes. that has histed, existed throughout humanity's history. So this- Not, not until this this year's politics. I would say yeah. politics is now- that, Yeah, maybe has overtaken religion. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, so it, it is a really great example of a polarizing topic. And in business, actually, like polarization, having some level of polarity is actually a good thing. Where as if you are trying to appeal to everyone, chances are you're appealing to no one. And Probably everyone has heard this some point. And so that's why I really like this example. It's there's a clear like, yes, we all understand. Okay, some people sharing your religious beliefs, whatever they are, is going to attract more of those people to you probably. And it's going to certainly turn some people away as well. So I'm curious for you, like since making this shift and like really integrating more of yourself and those beliefs into the work that you do, like what's the shift you've seen in your business as well as like the results you're able to get your clients? Well, I will say that this year has been a pretty massive shift because last year I was really more focused on offering health supportive services to mostly women. That was kind of my focus. I had a couple men as clients, but they were usually people that had found me from like something I did five years ago or something. So it was an interesting experience because I went a little too far into the like focus on the message and kind of lost sight of, again, going back to that hammer nail analogy, losing sight of like, what's the actual problem that I'm solving. And I never, up until this year, really, I never really had like a clear nailed niche statement where I could say, this is the problem that I solve for people. Because again, going back to my experience with Chris, I was just like, I can help anybody with anything. And I had to teach all these different topics to the other practitioners. So I really did have to be like a jack of all trades. But when I started doing more of the polarity people loved the message. Like it grew my audience and people would, I get all these like really awesome messages. I connected with a lot of really cool other business owners. And I, you know, I felt really good about the message and like what I was teaching, but 
because I didn't combine that with a focus on a specific solution that I was providing, I don't know if it really grew my business the way that it could have. Now, I think I'm seeing some delayed response from that. Like I think, as I was mentioning before, that decision built a reputation in my peer group of who I was as a person. And I'm sure some people don't want to be associated with me, but the people that do want to be associated with me, once they saw that I was offering business coaching, they were like, I I even, I've had some testimonials from my last business program saying like, as soon as I saw that Laura was offering business coaching, I knew I had to work with her. I wasn't hardly talking about business before that point, before I really made that like big switch. People just knew me as somebody who they could trust and had high integrity and it translated into really serving the new business. So the message was great. And I was getting a lot of people that are like, I love the work you do. Like lots of people reaching out to me. But when it came to people actually like pulling their credit card out to work with me to solve a problem, I didn't see the results that I would have expected based on the positive response that I was getting. So it is something that when I combined the unapologetic embodiment of like me as a person and not being afraid to step on toes or to rub people the wrong way or ruffle feathers and an actual clear message of like, here's who I help and what I help them accomplish. That's where my business has like totally exploded in the last five months, four months or something. And it feels so much easier than it ever did before because I'm being exactly who I am. So I don't have to like pretend to be someone else or, you know, try to like be someone that I think people want me to be that I'm not. And I'm also offering a really very valuable service to people. And it makes it really, really easy to sell because I believe in it. I believe in how good it is. And I feel like I know that if somebody works with me, they're going to get great results because I know what results I'm getting for somebody. So that's been, this year in general has been like a really big shakeup. And I know you wanted to talk about this. So I'll mention this to maybe give us a little leeway a lot of what simulated all of this was a really horrible failed launch at the beginning of the year. Yeah, we're, we're going to get to that in a second. To be continued. <laughs> to be continued. <laughs> so one more thing, I, you mentioned this earlier, that th- this was actually the thing that kind of led into this shift in your messaging was realizing that you were able to go deeper with some clients where you had this kind of shared culture of belief and background and understood the same language and you had a similar belief structure. So you were able to kind of integrate that into the work that had nothing really, I mean, In your case, it actually did have a fair amount to do because you're talking about the identity and all of these things. Um, But, you know, strictly speaking, you're talking about nutrition and, you know, fitness and all these types of things. And I think that this is something that it does not need to be. Obviously, with any religious background, there is a very long history in most cases of this shared culture and belief and language and all of these things. But for anyone, like, it doesn't need to be that big a thing that you are incorporating to your business. Because I know that I found for myself, like, I've done a lot of traveling in my life and for the past four years have, have traveled full time. I feel like I'm able to relate and go deeper with people when it comes to, you know, talking business or podcasting or anything like that with people who are very well traveled. And it's just like all these little connections or people who are into like rock climbing or the outdoors or things like that. Like there's this added element that makes the whole actual work that we're doing together more effective. We connect more effectively. So I think like so often as business owners, we're told to go niche and to like, we want to only talk about the thing that we're supposed to be talking about. That's what people are coming to us for. They don't want our like politics or religion or any of what we do on the side or like anything else interesting at all about us. When really like, if you can connect on a bunch of those different things, 
everything is just going to start working so much better together. So I love how you kind of mentioned that that was one of the things that that really made it obvious to you that, oh, when I incorporate this, this is actually helping them get better results from the health side of things as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I love that you use the word language because I really think that's what it was, is an ability to have the language to share the thing that was going to unlock the result for somebody. Because at the end of the day, like, if somebody doesn't have the same beliefs as me, like let's say somebody is an atheist and we're trying to work through things like perfectionism and body image issues and all or nothing thinking around food or like low self-image, all of that, I don't actually know how to communicate with someone who doesn't believe in God about where their worth comes from or you know why they don't need to be perfect or why their health isn't the most important thing. So there was actually like a lack of ability to help someone if I could not talk about that at all. Now, I didn't talk about it with everybody. There was a lot we could do without having that conversation, but there was always gonna be this like limit to what I could really do for somebody if I was ignoring it. And again, like you said, it doesn't really matter what your personal beliefs are or whatever. If there's something you're holding back from your clients out of fear, you're going to end up not helping them the way that you could. So obviously the bigger topics like religion and politics or whatever, like whether you're pro or anti-vaccination or whatever it is, some of that stuff can be pretty controversial, but it is something, I mean, it's almost like if you don't, if you believe vaccines are harmful and you're a health provider and your client is talking about going and getting all these vaccines or whatever. And you were like, I really think that's going to hurt them, but I don't want to say anything because I don't want them to think I'm like a conspiracy theorist anti-vaxxer. You're actually doing them a disservice because you're afraid to share what you believe. And that doesn't mean they have to agree with you. If they're like, oh, she's like kind of crazy. I'm not, not getting a vaccination. That's fine, right? Like they're an adult. They get to choose what they're going to do. But if you really believe something is potentially harmful or you believe that they're missing something really important because you have some knowledge or experience that you can share, and you withhold that out of fear, like that's actually not serving your client at the highest level. So having your beliefs out on the table, and that doesn't mean you have to like air all your dirty laundry, tell people everything that you believe. I know there's a lot of stuff out there that people have opinions on that maybe should just be like, you know, kept to yourself. You want to have some discernment around it. But if it's something, a core value like that, that you're like, if I can't even remotely circle around this core value because the person's core value is so opposite of mine, then you're not going to be as effective with that person as a client. And so if you are sharing your core values in your business, you're going to weed out the people that would be like totally turned off from talking about that topic. So again, like you said, religion is a pretty big one and it doesn't have to be that big, but just, I would say for your listeners to just think about, is there stuff that you want to talk about that you're afraid to talk about, but know that it could really be valuable to people and help them get the results that you're trying to help them get. Every Sunday, I send out my Listen Up newsletter to over a thousand entrepreneurs, marketers, and creatives who are seeking to grow an audience around work that means something. Each week features an article to help you reframe how you're approaching your business, along with five things I discovered the previous week that I think might help you in your life and business. Instead of another tactic or strategy to add to your never-ending to-do list, the newsletter is meant to help you rise above the noise and look at your work from a new perspective. It's best consumed sitting somewhere cozy with a cup of coffee in your hand which is exactly how I write it. Writing this newsletter is my very favorite thing I do in my business, and it's something I'm truly proud to create and share. I'd be honored to send it to you, and you can sign up at betterwellness.biz newsletter.
So you mentioned a few minutes ago this launch that was kind of a <laughs> turning point for you and maybe a prompt to reassess what you were looking at. So I'd like to talk a little bit about that and then get into a little bit more about how you're you're running your business today. To start off, do you just want to give us some context and and walk through what the product was, who it was aimed at, and maybe what the price point was as well? Yeah. So this was a program that I developed called Fed and Fearless. And my ideal client was a Christian woman, probably in like their 20s through 40s, who struggled with under eating, overtraining, perfectionism around food and fitness, low self-image, low confidence, that kind of thing. And they wanted to learn how to eat enough to nourish their bodies, exercise in the right way to actually be healthy and to really care for their bodies while also separating their who they were and, and how they saw themselves from the state of their health or their fitness. So that was the audience. And I had launched it. I'd done a beta at the end of 2018 and enrolled like, I can't remember if it was like somewhere in the 10 to 20 range. Ironically, the first time I launched it, it was not faith-based. And (laughs) this was an interesting experience because I tried to kind of straddle, like touching on it a little bit, but not really going all in on it. And my Christian clients that were in the program told me, I wish you would have gone deeper on that. I really wanted to hear more about that. And I I like loved anytime you talked about that, I loved it. And then my non-Christian clients in the program were like, I loved it, but I could have done without the faith stuff. Right. So it was like this really awkward, like I felt like I wasn't really serving either group to the full depth of what I was capable of. And I realized like I should probably just go with the faith-based piece. Cause I, that's fully expressing what my knowledge and capabilities are. So the second time I launched it, I did it again as a faith-based program. And I think I enrolled like 10 to 20 again, somewhere in that range. And refined the program, made it a little bit more focused on that particular topic. And then I was, I even did a live event at the end of the year and was like, okay, this is like my thing. As you know, you published my podcast called Fed and Fearless. So I was like, all right, this is my, these are my people. This is my like focus. And I was like, I'm going to do a real like legitimate launch this time where I'm really spending on ads. I'm getting in brand new audience. I'm doing like, I did like this challenge live launch combination that I learned from a guy named James Wedmore. The actual strategy of the launch is great. Like I've done those launches before and they've worked well, (laughs) but I spent like, I don't know, eight weeks probably preparing for the launch. And then another month, like actually implementing the launch because there was like a video and then a five day challenge and then another video and then a webinar and then all these sales emails and all this stuff. And I think I had like 1600 people register for the challenge and a normal launch, usually a good launch is like at least 3% conversion rate. Usually three to six is kind of industry standard. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be amazing. It's going to be like 50 people. I'm going to make like a hundred thousand dollars off this launch. And I was super pumped about it. I got all this really great feedback, great participation. The actual like engagement in the group is going really well. And then when I went to sell the program, first of all, I was like crickets. The engagement was like completely just disappeared. Everyone stopped interacting with me. And anyone that even was remotely interacting with me during the open cart period was like, oh, this sounds so amazing. I just can't afford it. Because it was like a, I think it was like a thousand dollar program for like a group coaching 12 weeks. Like it was a pretty, you know, pretty robust program. I don't think a thousand dollars was outrageously priced or anything like that. And because a couple of my clients that joined 
upgraded to the VIP level, which was, I think like $3,000 for private coaching on top of it. I just barely made back my ad spend, like just barely. So basically made no money from the launch and had spent like two to three months pouring my heart and soul into it. And so it was really, really tough. Like I remember I have one of my coaches, we have a Voxer channel that we talk to each other and it was probably one of the lowest points of my business ever because not only was I like, cause the money things, even whatever, like, honestly, the money was like, not even the big issue. I have enough money. Like I'm not worried about it. It was more the letdown of like all this amp up, like excitement. This is going to be awesome. I'm so excited about this. And then literally just like thud. Right. So it was really, really hard for me. I, I tend to be a little bit of like prone to anxiety type of person, but I was having like legit panic attacks. Like what is going on? Like anyone who's ever done a launch knows open cart periods already like the launch free fall. And it's very, you know, scary in general, but I was just like, what is happening? I have no idea. I thought this was like my thing. Like I thought this was my program. And when it was all said and done, I was like, do I even want to do that again? Like I was like literally traumatized. I was like, I don't know if I can do that again. Cause it was so like just awful. And I, I'm a very high achieving, like everything needs to be done well kind of person. And I executed, I mean, looking back, I can, we can talk about the execution, the, like on paper, the execution was flawless. Like I did everything that needed to be done, followed the system to a T and could not understand why it had bombed. And really this year with all the COVID stuff happening and all of that, I really got to this place where I was like, okay, I can either try to keep struggling and swimming upstream, trying to make this Fed and Fearless program work, or I can really just go back to the basics and think, first of all, what is like, what am I skilled at? What can I really help people with? And if I'm going to go all in on a niche, what is that going to look like for me? Because it was always really, really hard for me to pick a particular health topic to focus on. And I think looking back, I can see now in the business that I'm running now, having a diversity of interests in health actually really helps me help my clients better because when I'm helping someone come up with like a, a system for their clients or a marketing strategy or message, I have a very diverse knowledge of specific health conditions that I can help them get the language to explain. So now it's working really well to have such a diverse array of health interests and education. But when I was trying to run a health business, being diverse and being all over the place like that was actually messing me up. So all of that to say that launch, I kind of look at it as like a bounce. Like it's like, yeah, I jumped off a cliff and I was like free falling and it really sucked. And then I hit like a trampoline and then it was like, boo, like bounced off it. And now I feel like I'm on the upward trend. So we were talking about this before we started recording. Most people have a failed launch. There's very few successful business owners that have never had a failure. And I think it's really important that we're honest about when we fail because otherwise people are going to think like if they had a bad experience with a launch that that says something about them as a business owner versus just saying something about the product or the messaging that they were creating for that launch. Because I've had successful launches. I've done my my highest grossing launch to date was like a $75,000 launch. I'm hoping to have a six-figure launch this year potentially. So I've done successful launches. So I know that I can do it. And I had to really think about like what went wrong with that one, that it was such a bomb. And so it's been really cool to have had that experience and to be able to use that experience to now guide my business coaching clients, because I can kind of help them avoid some of that by avoiding some of the mistakes that I had made. And 
even if somebody is having a bombed launch because I can't run the launch for them, like they're going to make some mistakes. They're going to miss stuff sometimes. I can actually diagnose like what went wrong and what could be done better next time so that they can be successful the next time they do it. So I would have preferred to skip that part of my business journey, but I do think it was really valuable for me. And I, I feel like the big value came from not letting that define me as a business owner. It just was like, okay, that didn't work. I don't want to just keep trying something that's not working. So let me figure out why it didn't work and do something different for the next time I run a group program. Yeah. I feel like it's, we have all these like platitudes in the entrepreneur world of like, you know, fail fast, fail off and all these failure has become like kind of glorified in a lot of ways. But I I don't think that almost anyone actually embodies that. Like that's a nice thing to like post on Instagram or to like even have on your wall or something. And so we, we like associate these little things that we do like, oh, well, you know, that podcast or that YouTube video that didn't get that much engagement. That's like a little micro failure. But nobody like really looks forward to putting months of work and thousands of dollars into a launch and having that go bad and being able to say like, oh, great, a failure. I'm going to learn from this right away. Yeah, it was there. There was a couple of weeks. I, I didn't like immediately like, oh, yeah, I can learn from this. Like I it, it was pretty there was a lot of tears. I will admit I was I did a VIP day with my coach. Anna Powers at her house in Mississippi. This was like February, or no, January. So it was like when we were still able to travel. And it was like part therapy session because I was literally like pretty weepy for mm-hmm. a lot of it. So I, it wasn't like this immediate like bounce back, like, oh yeah, now I can like learn from this. It was, there was some pretty deep soul searching that had to happen over the course of months for me to actually recover the way that I needed to recover from like a financial and business perspective. Yeah. Uh, I had a a similar launch two years ago or a year and a half, something like that. And again, kind of like you were saying, like I had friends who had followed this exact strategy, exact same product in a different niche. And I was like, this is so great. And this is actually one of the things I was mentioning earlier where it was a bundle sale. So it was a bunch of different contributors had contributed courses to this bundle and it was going to be like 90% off if you bought each and every one of them. And I was like pretty intentional about the courses that I included. And I was like, okay, for podcasters who are looking to grow their shows and like monetize them, which is what everybody complains about, like this is the thing, like this is just going to teach them everything they need to know. And so I was just like sure that this was going to be my ticket. This this was going to be my thing. I do it every year, just like two different friends. They both ran different bundle sales, just like that, made tons of money off of it. And as well as like having an actual impact on the people who bought it. I had bought one of theirs before and I was like, this is amazing. So I was like, okay, this is the thing. I've like found my ticket and spent, yeah, probably like three months working at it, hundreds of hours and invested probably on the design and and Facebook ads, like $10,000 into it and ended up losing 5,000 overall. So I made $5,000 in sales, lost $5,000. And it, it was again, just like you said, crickets during launch week. And by like day two or three, I was just like, uh, I, I had no no gas left in the tank, like didn't want to like, you know, show my face anymore. Didn't want to like send the rest of the emails, just like maybe I should just cancel this whole thing and like crawl into a hole. And it really like, I think the whole like bouncing back and learning from it, like that happened, but that took like six months to a year before I was like, I think I'm like ready to create something again and like put myself out there. And so it's not like when that happens, like it sucks. And I don't think you can really like adequately describe how much it sucks without going through it. And so I think it's important to like 
get that out there like, yeah, it really, really sucks worse than you think probably. And it's also happened to like everyone who's achieved any success at any point. And even if you achieve like success early on, it's probably going to happen. And it might even be worse because of that. <laughs> yeah, because you've done you've done well enough that you can invest more into a launch, right? And you think you're past that point. Right. You're like, I'm not going to fail. It's kind of like dating. It's like, I remember when I had my last big breakup, I didn't date again for like three years or something. Cause I was just like, F that, like, I don't want to deal with that again. That was awful. So I feel like it's the same thing with launching. It's like, if you have a really bad launch, it's not easy to just be like, okay, cool. I'm just going to like jump right back on the horse. And I mean, this is like full deep disclosure, but my, <laughs> my business coach literally asked me, she's like, do you need to see someone for like medication or something? Cause I was like freaking out. I was just so, it was like, I got blindsided and, and because I'm such a high achiever, I don't get blindsided very often. Like I usually can like pivot and fix things and like, you know, prevent things from failing before they fail. But this was just like free fall into like, like you were saying the open cart period, almost wanting to just give up. I felt like, like, why am I even bothering? Like, cause my, my coach is always about like keeping high energy and like showing up and like keep reaching out. I was sending, I don't know if you're familiar with bomb bomb videos, but I was sending these like personalized, literally writing people's names on a little whiteboard and being like personal messages to like dozens, if not like a hundred people, nobody responded to any of them. Maybe like one person responded. And I was just like, this is the worst thing I've ever done. Like, this is awful. And I just wanted to quit. I think the one thing I can say that I was really proud of myself for is just finishing the launch. And I did what I said I was going to do. It didn't mean that it worked well. It just means I didn't give up halfway through and be like, well, this sucked. So I'm not going to finish it. So finishing it was like, okay, that was an accomplishment that I like literally didn't just like crawl into a hole and like not come out for two months, but it was hard. It was really, really emotional. And again, it was like, a bad breakup where you're like, do I even want a date? Do I even like, maybe I'm just happy being alone. It's kind of like when you're running a business, you have a bad launch and you're like, maybe I don't want to grow my business. <laughs> maybe I'm just happy where I'm at right now. And, or maybe I'll quit and get a nine to five job. This is really hard. So it is something that we can look back on and laugh like, ha it's so funny that I totally almost had like a nervous breakdown, but it is something that, like I said, I, I really feel like it, it's kind of one of those, like, if it doesn't break you, it, it's like trial by fire, right? Like, it's like, okay, that was the worst thing that could have happened. And I survived and I bounced back from it. So even if it happens in the, again, in the future, I don't want to like, you know, speak that over myself, but even if it happened again in the future, I know I can recover from that now. So it is, I know there's value to it, but yeah, when it was, when it was happening, it was like very, very, uh, not, not enjoyable from a like emotional perspective. Yeah, I know that when the the launch period was going on, I think it was in the lead up to the cart being opened the week before maybe uh, one guy who I was in a group coaching program with and I looked up to him so much for how he had, had structured his business and it seemed like he was just printing money with his programs in like a really like good way because like I was involved with everything he was doing. I was like, man, all of his copywriting is amazing, like everything and I know his products, it, like it was just like the best version of, of online business, doing good work, helping people and also making a lot of money. And he reached out to me just through Facebook Messenger, like unprompted and was like, hey, I noticed this thing with how you're presenting this, your messaging. And I think you might want to look at this. And like this guy charges a lot of money for like business consulting when he does that. And he was like, I actually ran a product similar to this in the past. And we used a similar type of positioning statement for this. And I ended up losing like $30,000 on that. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, yeah, maybe I'll look at it. And, but 
like I was too inexperienced at this point. I hadn't done enough launches and gone through that process to really understand what he was telling me. And so there was kind of two things from that I took away. I was like, okay, trust people who have been through that and like really dig into that advice. But then also when it failed, that was like a kind of lifeline to me. I was like, oh, this guy who like seems to have it all figured out now, he lost way more money than I did. And like had this kind of failed launch experience as well and has had it multiple times. And so I was just like, oh, people go through this and don't share about it. And even people who are really successful, like probably still every single launch that they do is not successful. I listened to an interview with Pat Flynn recently, who, from my experience watching him and being a fan of his, like everything he does is gold. And he shared in this interview, like, yeah, he's had multiple launches that they really messed up and that they really like let down a lot of the customers, which is like, I was like, how could Pat Flynn let anyone down? Like, and it, it happens to like the best of the best who've been doing this for decades. So yeah, thank you so much for, for sharing your experience there. I, I'm curious, coming out of that, it, it took me a long time to kind of embody a lot of the lessons. And I still feel like a year and a half later, they'll, you know, once a month or once every couple of months, I'll be something like, oh, that also was was out of whack with that launch. So you mentioned that you kind of have some, some with hindsight, uh, some idea into what was a miss with that launch. So what have you kind of like boiled it down to? Well, I think the number one thing was that I wasn't solving a specific problem. And that is something now when I work with my clients in my nutrition business program, I like won't let them get out of it without picking the specific problem. Cause I'm like, listen, I know it's hard. I've, I've had people literally like crying on the phone with me because they're like afraid to pick the problem that they're solving. And I was like, I get it. It's hard. And I'm telling you, if you don't do this, it's going to like totally, I, I don't want to say ruin your business, but if you never do it, it might ruin your business. If you take a really long time to do it, it's just going to like make it so that it takes you way longer to be successful. So with my original program, Fed and Fearless, it was an awesome program. Like I really, <laughs> again, I'm not trying to sound like I'm like stuck up. Actually, I used to be very, very, very self-conscious. So the fact that I can like talk about myself like this is kind of a, a pretty awesome testament. But anyway, what I was going to say is the program itself was amazing. I got all these really great like testimonials, people who said that their entire life changed going through this program. So I know that the program was awesome. I know that the content I put out was awesome. I know that there was a ton of value in that program, but the messaging and the marketing and the targeting with the audience was just not effective. I didn't have the right people that were signing up for the launch. The launch itself was not very easily leading into the program. There was just a lot of stuff that was not, I don't want to say correct, but like it just was not going to work. Like now I can look back and say, oh yeah, that probably, I shouldn't have done that. Or, oh, I should have thought through that. Or, oh, that's why that didn't work. But really, I think the number one issue was that it was not solving a specific problem. And when you're asking someone to spend a thousand dollars on a program, they need to know what they're getting when they solve or when they join that program. And them loving my message and loving what I stood for and loving me as a person, like that wasn't enough for them to pull their credit card out, right? Like they were like, oh, this is so awesome, but like, I'm not gonna pay for this, right? So now when I, like I said, when I coach my private clients and even in my own business, like the niche shift that I've done into the business coaching world, I'm like, I am gonna get so freaking laser focused on like, what is the specific problem that I solve and how do I solve that problem and really coming up with a very clear process for solving that problem, that has been just, first of all, amazing for what it's done for my business and then helping others do it and seeing 
the ridiculous fast results that people are getting. Like a lot of my clients are saying they're like two and three Xing their monthly revenue within a month of implementing. I'm like, dude, this is like what I should have done the first place. (laughs) And it took me that long. It took me like kind of digging my heels in and being like, no, I want to make this like, like a general program for, for people that can serve so many people. And I thought the Christian focus was like, I thought Christians with orthorexic tendencies was enough of a niche, but that was just who I was helping, right? Like that was not what problem I was solving for them. That was not how do I solve that problem. I had the who and the why. So the who's who I helped, the why is why me, but I didn't have the what or the how. So even though I thought it was niche, it was not niched to a place that it needed to be for it to be a financial success. Now I can grow an audience all day with that topic. Like I could have thousands and hundreds of thousands of followers if I wanted to grow that audience, but to actually create a lucrative business that I don't have to work my face off operating those two missing pieces, the what problem do I solve and how do I solve that problem for people? That was what was missing with the program. So I, like I said, I love the content I created when people are actually in the program They they got a ton of value from it, but I didn't have this like tight messaging where it was like, here's why I help. Here's what I help you do. Here's how I help you do it. And here's why you should work with me. And being able to do that for this this, I have a program now called Nutrition Business Accelerator. Being able to do that so clearly for this program has made it literally, a, I don't want to say it's like shooting fish in a barrel, but it's like, it's very, very easy to market because one, I believe in the program, like wholeheartedly, I know it works. And two, my clients or potential clients, when they see my messaging, they see my marketing, they're like, that's me. And that's what I want. And that is the secret sauce for getting a business to be able to scale and not just be focused on every time you want to work with a client, having to have a new strategy, a new conversation, a hundred percent custom sales conversation for each client you talk to. Cause yeah, you can get like, I built a multi six figure business doing that, but I hit that ceiling and I knew I could do more than that. And so those shifts to really getting laser focused on the niche and being able to articulate it well was really, really important. I I have to give a lot of credit to my coach, Mel Abraham, for helping me learn how to articulate not only my niche, but also my methodology in a really, really clear way. Because it really does make such a huge difference. And like I said, I've been teaching other nutritionists how to do it now. And it's like, I'm even sometimes surprised how fast people are getting results. I was like, damn, I wish I had had my own knowledge like five years ago when I was trying to do this in my own business. Cause it was a lot of like floundering and like trying to do it, not totally hitting the nail on the head. Yeah. I feel like when you mentioned how with this new program, it, like everything really feels in alignment, the analogy of like falling in love, like truly in love kind of came to me where it's like, you think you're like with a boyfriend or girlfriend and you're like, oh yeah, I'm in love. And then you like find someone else later years later. And you're like, oh no, I've never experienced that before. This is different. (laughs) And, you know, maybe that that just keeps building, you know, maybe your program right now and the one that I'm doing right now, maybe we'll look back in 10 years and be like, nah, I could have done better. There's another level to get to, but there's definitely a difference from like coming from one thing where you're like, yeah, I'm excited about this. And then like really, truly like believing that like, oh, I'm excited about this. And I'm like, I just can't wait. I can't contain it almost. Like I need to share this with all the people and I know exactly who can help and like just presenting it to them and bringing that energy to it. People are much more likely to sign up and and turn over their money for that. Yeah. And the funny thing with the marriage analogy is that when you want to have a successful business, you really do need to be married to 
what you're doing. Now that doesn't mean you can't pivot and shift. Like it's not like getting a divorce where like, you know, that's obviously a much more serious thing. You can change your business, but you also need to go into it with the belief that like, I am committed to this, right? You know, it's kind of like a marriage where if all of a sudden your partner is getting abusive or something, you're not like, well, I'm just going to stay in the marriage because I committed to this. But if you're like, things get tough, same thing with marriage, things get hard. Like I, my husband's awesome. And I knew within our fourth phone call that I was going to get married to him because like you said, I had that like, oh my gosh, this is what it's supposed to feel like. And for me, it was, this is supposed to be easy. It's not supposed to feel like I have to be someone else for this to work. And that's how I felt with my husband. And that's how I feel with this business that I'm running now is like, oh, this is actually really easy now for me. And now I feel like it's just natural for stuff to come out and I don't have to force it. And I have a ton of knowledge and experience that I can share with people that really is very practically applicable to solving that problem. So it's not that you have to be like marriage level commitment when it comes to like, you know, you can pivot in your business and it's not going to ruin your life or something, but you have to go in with the mindset that like, I'm committed to seeing this through, even when it's challenging, even when stuff doesn't work, even when I'm feeling crappy about it, because nobody ever has gotten to the level of like a multi six or seven or more figure business being like the minute it doesn't feel good, they bail on it. Right. (laughs) So yeah, it's a combination of like, again, with, with the relationship is like, oh my gosh, this is exactly how I want to feel. This is the person. And then when you're actually in the relationship, it's like, okay, this is still work and oh, we're still having some challenges and I'm committed to working through them. It's the same thing with the business. It's like, this is where I'm designed to serve at the highest level. This is fully aligned with who I am and what I'm capable of. And I know it's not going to be super easy, but I'm committed to doing the work to figure it out. I love the marriage analogy because marriage is awesome and it's also, it's hard. So to kind of wrap things up here, one thing I like to say to everyone who comes on the show is that this is a a show that's really about building a better world. Disguise is a show about building better businesses. So I'm curious when you hear the phrase building better, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you? And that can be related to your business or just, you know, the work you do in your personal life as well or, or anything like that. The first word other than world that comes to mind is systems. And I don't really know exactly why I thought of that, but now, if I'm like playing it out, I think systems in your business and having structure and strategy and like a plan to follow and actions to take in certain order, like it actually really does make a big difference. Also having systems to get help in your business. So having, you know, even like you and I working together, we have systems to help keep things organized. That it doesn't mean that we don't sometimes mess things up or like need to fix things or add to it or grow it. But having those systems is way better than if we were just like emailing back and forth when my podcast episode's ready, right? So having systems in your business that are designed on foundational concepts and strategies that really haven't changed that much. Like I know there's a lot of new tools and shiny objects out there, but the actual principles and strategies of running a business have not changed that much over the last century, basically. So having those systems in place, I think is really important. And then when I zoom out to the word systems, I was just having a conversation with Lisa Hendrickson, Jack. She has a podcast called Fertility Friday. And we were talking about how (laughs) this is, I don't want to go like too far into this because it's going to feel totally left field for you. We were talking about how feminism in the way that we believe in feminism is actually total BS. Like believing that women should operate like men in and work in a male design system is we think 
a lie. And something I'm really passionate about is helping create business systems that actually work for women in the way that allows them to fully express everything that I believe women were created to be, which includes motherhood as an example. So rather than it be the situation where it's like either operate the way men operate, and I'm not saying the way men are operate is bad. I think it works great for men, right? <laughs> like it works awesome. But trying to fit ourselves into that system in order to not only make money, but also to like express our intellect and capabilities and the way that we want to serve the world. I don't actually think that works for most women. And what I'm like kind of meta passionate about at this point is helping women create businesses that not only ripple out to like helping other people get healthy, but also allow them to have the kind of lifestyle that actually works much better for women's physiology and and what we need as women to be healthy and the holistic lifestyle that I think, unfortunately, when you get into that like nine to five, you know, corporate type of setup, it's not the best way for women to be working. So, you know, that was like totally random, but it just was making me think of the conversation I just had prior to getting on this podcast, because again, I think the cool thing about entrepreneurship is you can create whatever you want. And you can be as successful as you want. You can work as hard as you want or not as hard as you want. You can create whatever you want. And I think it's really exciting. And I feel like I want to help all nutrition business owners, but I especially have a soft spot for women that want to be able to run a business, want to be able to help people, want to use their education, want to use all the the time, money, energy that they've put into developing the skill to serve other people, but also be able to be fully engaged with the other parts of their life that I think are generally really important to women, such as children, marriage, friendships, you know, the stuff that tends to get pushed to the wayside when we're operating in that normal, like nine to five type of corporate lifestyle. So I just really feel like women have so much to offer, but also that we have to learn how to offer it in a way that actually works with our physiology and the way that we were created to operate. Well, this has been fantastic. Uh, what is the best place for people to go to find out more about you? <laughs> That's a good question. I need to have a single call to action. I'm I'm working on that. So my health website is laurashoenfeldrd.com. And that's where you can get more of my blogs, my podcast that Jeremy produces and his team. All the health-related content that I do goes out on that website. My new website this year is laurashoenfeld.com. I wish that had been available when it was not available <laughs> when I started my business. Got it now. So laurashoenfeld.com is where my business coaching information is. It's pretty new as far as there's not a lot of content on there, but there is information about my business coaching, my services. My main program that I run is called Nutrition Business Accelerator. And that's the program where I teach people how to nail their niche, figure out their process for serving clients, figure out their marketing strategy for getting people into their business, and then figuring out how to become known as an expert in their particular chosen niche. I do I do talk about podcasting as a really good option for that. So that's my main way of serving people. I have other services as well, but that's the main program that I'm running right now for nutrition business owners. I love how openly Laura talks about both the highs and the lows of her experience in her business. I think this type of openness and vulnerability is something we could all use more of in our lives. And I believe each of us has the power to lead with these traits in the conversations we're having with our own communities. To continue the conversation, I'd love to hear if you've had a launch or promotion that didn't quite live up to the expectations you had set for it. What were some of the emotions you experienced in the aftermath? 
And how did it affect your future endeavors? You can head over to betterwellness.biz voice and leave me a voice message or email me at jeremy at counterweightcreative.co. I'd love to feature your response on an upcoming episode. In the next episode, I'm talking with Akshay Nanavati, author of the fantastic book, Fearvana, all about, you guessed it, fear, how it holds us back in our businesses, our lives, and why embracing the fear rather than running from it is the way to access more joy, ease, and profit in our lives and businesses. I know you're going to dig this one. This episode was produced by our amazing team at Counterweight Creative. Big thanks in particular to Tom Kelly for sound engineering support, Karina Penner for her work on the show notes, Ari Lombardozzi for his help with video editing, and Casey Bowen and Francesca Mamlin for their behind-the-scenes work keeping everything running smoothly and on schedule. Finally, to you listening, thank you so much again for spending this time with me, and until next time, keep building better. Better.